This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Please open your Bibles with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, I can't improve on Curtis's testimony, but may the Lord bless the reading of this psalm and the study of this psalm this morning. It was written by David, but we know from our study of the book of Acts, he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. Psalm 34. The title tells us of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Verse 11, oh, come, oh, children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them, is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. When you are anxious, 
When you are afraid, when you are worried, put your trust in the Lord. When you're afraid, put your trust in the Lord. Probably heard of this poem, Invictus, by William Henley, a, a very different poem than the one we just read by David in Psalm 34. Famous stanza, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. This is Jason Redmond's favorite poem. He's a decorated Navy SEAL that I've been introduced to and getting to know recently and through reading. He's decorated, and rightfully so. He literally had his face blown off when he was serving our country in Iraq. A team he led was ambushed by an enemy machine gun that was 15 yards from him. Most thought he was dead, but he got up and walked to the helicopter that had come to rescue him under, quote, his own power. The doctors couldn't believe it when they heard it, he wrote about their response. Most people probably wouldn't have survived, let alone made it out under their own power if he doesn't say so himself. He wrote about laying on the ground dying. As I struggled to focus and think through the fierce gunfire, I called out to God, Lord, give me strength. Upon that prayer, a thought popped into my head, something he'd heard before. Our military trauma doctors are so good that if you can just show up at the hospital, there's a 90% chance you'll live. It motivated him, and he made it. What impressed me the most about this man was, number one, getting through Navy SEAL team training, but also surviving 40 surgeries after he was wounded in Iraq. I have had, he says, six blood transfusions, and I wore a tracheostomy for seven months and two days. I've had approximately 1,500 stitches, 200 staples, five plates, a titanium orbital floor, 15 screws. I have four in my ankle. I thought that was big. Eight pins, 20 skin grafts, four bone grafts. I've had my jaw shattered, broken, rebroken three times. My mouth was wired shut for over 12 weeks. I lost 50 pounds. I've spent approximately 190 hours in surgery under anesthesia. He's famous for the sign on the door. You may have heard of this, which he wrote by hand when he was in the hospital and he overheard some friends talking about how sad his situation was, how, how much they pitied him. So he wrote a sign by hand. His wife put it on the door. Attention to all who enter here. If you're coming into this room with sorrow to feel sorry for my wounds, go elsewhere. The wounds I received, I got in a job I love, doing it for people I love, supporting the freedom of a country I deeply love. I am incredibly tough and will make a full recovery. What is full? That's the absolute utmost physically my body has the ability to recover. Then 
I will push that about 20% further through sheer mental tenacity. This room you are about to enter is a room of fun, optimism, and intense rapid growth. If you're not prepared for that, go elsewhere. <laughs> I'd like some of that. I'm, I'm exactly the opposite of that. But he adds, despite all the surgeries, etc., I'm still standing. I'm still breathing. And most of all, I'm still in control of my destiny. In the immortal words of my favorite poem, Invictus, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. I could never say that. David was a mighty soldier who experienced fear and acknowledged it. He knew he was not the master of his fate. He knew he was not the captain of his soul, and he was incredibly tough. And he was not a coward. He was not a quitter. I commend this poem to you. Psalm 34. We too can have some moxie. We too can persevere. But this is our poem. Last week, as the guy said, Jeff introduced our series, Counsel from the Psalms. Our, our, our hope is that God's word and the counsel of this local church is going to help you the way it did Curtis, the way God met him in the Psalms. Jeff's a, a biblical counselor, certified. I'm a counselee, okay? I'm here to tell you Counsel and God's word work for counselees. I want you to grow in faith for both. This morning we're going to walk through this psalm. The title of the psalm allows us to locate it in biblical history. We can look to 1 Samuel and we can see exactly the context, the situation that produced this Psalm. So to get the force of these words here in Psalm 34, we have to remember the threat that David was under. He was hopeless. He considered things so bad that his only hope was to hate, behave literally like a clown to save his life. He was desperate, so desperate he'd humiliate himself. Remember, he's the anointed but rejected and hunted king of Israel. And in this psalm, he, he sings of his rescue from Achish, the Philistine king of Gath, and he gives us his testimony. Look over in 1 Samuel, if you will, just briefly. Hold your place in Psalm 34. This is the context. It's where this psalm comes from. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. David rose and fled that day from Saul, went to Achish, the king of Gath, and the servants of Achish said to the king, Is not this David the king of the land? Didn't they sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, David his ten, ten thousand. David was a mighty soldier. And of course, this would not bless the king. He had a mighty warrior in his midst. Verse 12, David took these words to heart realized the situation 
and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them. He pretended to be insane in their hands. He made marks on the, on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard, acted like a fool, the anointed king of Israel because of his fear. Then Achish said to his servants, behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? He sent him away. It, it saved his life. David was in danger. But this king let him go. This is David's testimony. We have it in Psalm 34. God delivered him from this trouble. The lesson is from Psalm 34, God rescued me. You too are safe in his hands. You're not the master of your faith, but he is the master of your faith. And you're, you're safe. Dale Davis says, David turns to acting and proves convincing. He convinces Achish. He's got another crazy around him. As if in his view, he doesn't already have his quota of such folks. Here is David, foolish, desperate, confused. Ah, but it's the stuff Psalms are made of. So David does not say, I am lucky, but God is for me. He sees men not as frightful, but as flesh. His deliverance from all his fears and all his troubles is the pledge that the Lord will follow suit for you, for other believers. So here's counsel from the Psalms. Psalm 56 was written about this same situation. And there David said, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. David doesn't say if I'm afraid, when I'm afraid. He battled anxiety, fear, and worry, just like me and you. So Psalm 34 is a glowing song about relief and gratitude for God's deliverance and provision. It's an acrostic song. Each verse begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's beautiful. It's creative. It's powerful. David wants to share his joy. He wants us to learn from his experience. He wants us to know God better. So we begin in verse 1 where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And he's thinking about this time. I will bless the Lord even at times like this. When I'm in trouble and distress, I have a rational fear. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So counsel from Psalm 34. Number one, when you're afraid, worship the Lord. When you are afraid, worship the Lord. Worship is, think about it, the opposite of anxiety. Praising the Lord expresses hope. That my times, regardless of how desperate they are, are in the Lord's hands. I'm not the master of my fate, 
but I'm in the Lord's hands. We, we learn in Psalm 34 that blessing the Lord, praising the Lord, is an expression of trusting the Lord and fearing the Lord. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When you're afraid, worship the Lord. Exalt the Lord, not ourselves. David knows the Lord is sovereign in power. The Lord has all power. Nothing can stop his purposes for you. Nothing can stop him from fulfilling these promises in your life. He's in control. This is what David knows. It's why he's full of joy. It's why he's praising the Lord. The Lord truly is the master of his fate. David has this beautiful relationship with the Lord. He has fellowship, the great treasure of the kingdom. He, he has fellowship with him. The Lord is David's Lord. His love and care for David is steadfast, immovable, sovereign, powerful. David is dependent on the Lord, but he's secure and safe. The point of Psalm 34 is that this is true for you. If you're a believer this morning, this is true for you. Let that sink in. This psalm is a, is a tool God has given us so that we can worship him for all these wonderful things, all these promises, all these truths. Counsel from Psalm 34, number two, closely related. When you are afraid, boast in your weaknesses. Worship the Lord when you're afraid and boast in your weaknesses. Read verse 4. This verse has a very special place in my life. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. If you went to my, my Bible, you would see by this psalm in my Bible, I have written December 8th, 2021 my 61st birthday. The Lord, on that morning, brought this verse to my mind when I was overwhelmed with anxiety. I was fighting in a rock and was shot in the leg, I wish. No, I wrecked on my bicycle and ruptured my Achilles heel tendon, and I had to have surgery. I have four screws, so I'm essentially a Navy SEAL. I got out of surgery, I had a soft cast and um, didn't like it, but I only had it for two weeks. It's going to be okay. On December 6th, they were going to take it off, and I thought I was going to get a boot, but I got a hard cast and was told it would be on for three weeks. Sherry and I had prepared to go by and get a bagel afterwards to celebrate, which we did, but it didn't taste good. You need to know the claustrophobic sometimes don't like casts. I don't like casts. December 6th and 7th were very difficult days for me. Irrational fears, completely irrational fears. It's cast. You don't breathe with your foot. I still don't understand. <laughs> but 
I think many people would say, you know, I had two-day panic attack. I would say, and I think it's more biblical to say, I was overwhelmed with anxiety. Helps me to think that way. December 8th, I got up, it's my birthday. Let's just say I wasn't in a celebrating mood. But this poor man cried. Psalm 34.4 came to my mind. Just like Jason Redmond said, he prayed, he called out to the Lord for strength, and then this came to his mind. If you can just get to the hospital, 90% of the people. I, I think the Lord does those sorts of things. I think he brought this verse to my mind. Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Just think two-day panic attack. And you get up on your birthday. You say, Lord, that's a promise. Deliver me. And he did. I had a cast for three more weeks. Every day was a battle. But what I want you to be aware of, it worked for me. It worked for me. Three weeks that is impressive. I should get a purple heart. I should get the Medal of Honor. But I give all the glory to God. I'm boasting in my weaknesses. I am exalting Him. My experience was David's experience. That's the point. That's what David wants us to do. He wants you to go to Psalm 34, and experience what he experienced. He was delivered from his fear. I was delivered from my fear of this, what my one grandson called that terrible cast. I was delivered from that fear. David says in verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. When you are afraid, put your trust in God. When you are afraid, worship the Lord and boast in your weaknesses. The humble enthusiastically boast. They magnify, they exalt someone else. They exalt the Lord. They don't exalt themselves. They're careful not to be self-exalting. They have pure joy in Him and His victory and His triumph and His power and His might. That's where their joy is. So the counsel from the Psalms is when you're afraid, worship the Lord, boast in your weaknesses. Rather than say, I am incredibly tough, say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Psalm 34 allows me to be weak. Doesn't allow me to be a coward. Coward doesn't fight. A coward quits. A coward doesn't magnify God's power. I don't want to be a coward. doesn't mean you can't quit if you've been a quitter, if you've been a coward. We just sang, bless the Lord, 
For all my failures, he doesn't repay. That's what's so glorious about him. What it means is that the Lord will deliver you. Grow to experience this and recognize this. David was afraid. So so the mighty soldier acted like he'd lost his mind. His behavior was embarrassing. It was humbling. And he was yet filled with joy. And when it was all done, he wrote a beautiful poem. The Apostle Paul once had a similar humiliating escape, apparently. 2 Corinthians 11 He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped. He's boasting of his weaknesses. David says in verse 4, I sought the Lord, he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces, their faces shall never be ashamed. In in the first part of the psalm, David says to us, I have reason to praise him, join me. Now he says, this was my experience. It can be your experience. This is the way it works. The Lord delivered David from his fears, from his terror, I sought the Lord. He answered me, delivered me, not just from the situation, but from the fear. It's it's so often worse, isn't it? Proverbs 10 says, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. The wicked dread, but those who fear the Lord are delivered even from the dread. Even from claustrophobia, the irrational dread, irrational dread of enclosed places. What the wicked dread comes upon him, but the Lord delivers the righteous out of their dread, their terror. Verse 5, those who look to him, they're radiant. The same word used in Isaiah 60 to describe a mother's face when it lights up at the sight of her children that she thought she'd never see again. Radiant. He delivered me from fear. It's what David was talking about in famous Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And and it makes your face light up and you delight because it transforms your whole person. Counsel from Psalm 34, number three. When you're afraid, trust the promises of God. Verse verse six, beginning in verse six, David's testimony is that God literally, physically delivered him. So he did deliver him. God rescued him, and he wants you to know you're safe. This poor man cried, verse 6, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. That's your experience too. That's what the word of God is promising us. 
Here was a poor wretch, one translation says, who cried to the Lord. That's me. I'm the poor man. I'm the poor wretch. I don't mind that at all. The question is, what are you afraid of? What are your troubles? Think about it this morning. What promises apply to your situation and your fears? Maybe you'd say, a cast? Really? You're weird. I don't disagree at all. But what, what are you afraid of? You need to answer these questions. What's your troubles? What promises are going to serve you? Going to jump off the page. Maybe you worry about finances. A lot of people worry about finances. I've, I've worried about finances many times, and it wasn't irrational. It was very rational. Maybe you worry about finances. David says in verse 10, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, here's a promise for you, have no lack. The young lions suffer, want, and hunger. But those, you who seek the Lord, lack no good thing. So he repeats this, lack no it's a direct promise from God for you. If you're worried about finances, provision, your kids, your family, your friends, this is a direct promise. Oh, fear the Lord. Those who fear him have no lack. Hold him to it. Troubles that David faced in light of that, we can understand the force of his words. He was in a tight place, distressed, hard-pressed. This is not irrational fear. He says, verse 7, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord often is a reference to God. That's what this is. He's talking about God in camps. God is camping around you. The king... His experience was when I was in this terrible strait, God camped around me. And what's true for him is true for all who trust in God. Taste and see, verse 8, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Those who trust in him, like, like David, take refuge in him. They'll be rescued. Verse 6, the Lord saved David from all his troubles. Verse 10, the young lions suffer want. Those who seek the, the Lord, no. They don't lack any good thing. They take refuge in him. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord is near, verse 18, to the brokenhearted. He saves, he's there, he's encamped. The, the crushed in spirit, he, he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. This is, this is a promise. You know, it doesn't mean the righteous will never suffer, but the Lord never takes it lightly. He is near the brokenhearted. He hears their cry. 
He never loses control. He keeps all his bones. So not one of them is broken. It's a promise. So the antidote to worry, to fear, is to trust in the promises of God. To, to overcome anxiety, fear, and worry, we trust in the promises of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. He said, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. These are all promises. Paul said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Our response to fear and anxiety needs to be, trust these promises. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. This is what biblical counselor David Pallison called a core promise. All through scripture, all through Psalm 34. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Don't anxiously look about you. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. These are promises, core promises. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Peter said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As I've gotten older, I've been in the hospital a lot. Just different things, not near as much as many of you, but I have been in there more than when I was younger. And one of my fears is being alone in the hospital room at the end of my life. Things in the hospital seem to be a bit more impersonal than they used to be. And medical care has changed. There's so much more to us than getting me better physically. isn't there? And so I could use someone to say, how you doing today? I could use someone to say, how you doing in your soul? I, I could, I would appreciate if somebody would say, I'm here. I'm going to be right here for you. If you need anything, just let me know. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, you're dying, but everything, as far as the hospital goes, we're going to be, going to be okay. Get anything you need, just hit this button. They don't always say that, do they? If I could just have Sherry there every second, I'd be fine. But now they won't let her in. So I've had moments in the hospital I don't like. This is why I'm impressed with Jason Redmond's 40 surgery. This guy is the man, okay? I know he likes the wrong poem. But whatever that guy's got, I sure would like some of that. Like I, I need some pride. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes... I've been in the hospital alone... And I felt the Lord's absence. 
I've had that happen. And so one of my prayers name uh, now is, Lord, please don't ever let me feel your absence in that hospital room. I pray for that regularly. I have a promise. Fear not, for I am with you. Okay. I am praying. I will never sense you're not with me. So when I'm dying and I'm in that hospital room, I want you there. You don't have to pray that prayer, but I recommend it. His care is constant. That's what he promises. His care is total. He is sovereign. John Newton, the famous hymn writer, said, if it were possible for me to alter any part of his plan, I could only spoil it. We must learn to cast our anxieties on him. Gary shared a prophecy this morning. I had no idea I was going to reference 1 Peter 5. I think that's the spirit. Got to learn to cast our cares on him. Which leads to the final point of counsel from Psalm 34. When you're afraid, cry out to the Lord in prayer. Cry out to the Lord in prayer. Trust the promises of God. Cry out to the Lord in prayer. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. When I'm in trouble, this wretch cries out to the Lord. David, David sees the great reward of prayer. Verse 4, he answered me. I sought the Lord. I cried out to him. And he delivered me from all my fears. He answered my prayers. Verse 6, this poor man cried. This poor man prayed. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. At the end of this meeting, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to have prayer teams down here with the pastors and we're going to invite you to come and be prayed for. I encourage you to, to be prayed for. I encourage you this week to pray. He hears our cries and he, and he answers us. Look at, look at verse 12. What man is there who desires life, loves many days, that he may see good? What is the good life? Where's the good life come from? This, this is what David says. He says, it comes from fearing the Lord. It comes from trusting the Lord. It comes from magnifying the Lord, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, living for God, knowing God. Fellowship with God. But that isn't the conventional wisdom in our culture, is it? Today, there, there's a battle going on. There's a lie you're hearing every day that outside the will of God is where life is good. If you decide to live for God, if you decide to live for his word with his people, you're making a mistake. You're wasting your life. You're missing out on the good life. Will your life be better? if you live it in the fear of the Lord? David says, yes, that's the payoff. That's where the good life is. Even if there was no eternal life, 
Life in this world, in this life, is better. The world says no. And it's tempting because that's Satan's strategy, is to raise this suspicion that the fear of the Lord actually robs you of the good life. It's a lie. But because of sin, we're tempted. It's not true. The good life is found in the fear of the Lord. And a major reason why is Almighty God answers the prayers of those who fear Him. Thomas Schreiner says this about justification, in other words, about being reconciled to God, about having peace with God, a holy God, a powerful God, even though we're sinners. That's what he's writing about. He's talking about faith, and it fits with trusting God and praying and living in the fear of the Lord. Faith is like the electric cord that transmits electricity to a lamp or a computer or another device that uses electricity. The cord transmits the electricity, connecting the device to a source of power. Since our righteousness is a gift of God, he's talking about justification by faith alone, faith is the means, the cord, by which Christ's righteousness is granted to us. Ultimately, our faith doesn't save us. It's the object of faith that saves us. God's righteousness is granted to us through the cross of Christ, through the one who became sin for us. Christ took our sin upon himself in the cross so that we are united to Christ and we receive the righteousness of God. And therefore, we have access to God. Therefore, we have the great treasure of the kingdom, fellowship with God. In Christ. Verse 16, Psalm 34 says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory from them. You're going to see in Psalm 34, there's this gap based on God's grace through faith. The problem with the wicked is misplaced faith. In Christ, we have access to God. We have faith. We trust in his finished work. I believe our sins are counted as his. His righteousness is counted as ours. It's never based on my works. If it was, I, could, I would never have fellowship with God. But it's based on him in Christ. So I can have fellowship with him. Because when I come to the Father in prayer, he counts me righteous because of my faith in Christ. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm offering you the gospel. I pray the Lord would give you the gift of faith. I don't think it's any accident you're here. I want you to hear the gospel. A good thing to pray would be, Lord, let me believe. Repent of your sin. And believe on Jesus Christ. And you'll be reconciled to God. Let me close with this quote from Christopher Ash. The righteous, although they may have many troubles and may be sometimes crushed in spirit and brokenhearted, they may know that the covenant God is close to them in their troubles and will in the end rescue them from 
them all. Jesus Christ, the King, the great pioneer of our faith, has gone before us through, through deeper troubles than David. He felt his heart broken and his spirit crushed. But in it all, he feared and loved God his Father and consistently went about doing good. That, that's what the psalm encourages us to do. Jesus was not alone, for the Father was close to him, heard his prayers, rescued him. He's gone before us. Rescued him even in death by bodily resurrection so that none of his bones were broken. So verse 20 is a prophecy ultimately fulfilled in Christ. We see this in the Gospels. Not one bone was broken. It's a fulfillment of that. And you know what it says to you today? Oh, for hundreds of years we waited, but that was fulfilled on the cross. It may seem like the Lord is slow in fulfilling his promises, but he always fulfills them. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.